0: Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer! Download
1: our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup. With great odds, great promos, and
0: same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gamblers' help, call 1 800 858 858. On 882 6BR, inspiring stories for Barra and O'Day, WA's family owned funeral directors. Hello, my name is Tim McMillan. Welcome to
1: another episode of Inspiring Stories, brought to you by Bower and O'Day, doing ordinary things extraordinarily well. In this episode, we speak to an Eagles legend, uh, part of that uh, Premiership winning side uh, back in 2006, and uh, had such an impact on that game that he was uh, awarded the Norm Smith Medal uh, on that day. So he will go down in Eagles folklore for his efforts on that day, but not just uh, in that uh, particular game, uh, racked up 250 games on the dot uh, for the West Coast Eagles. So hello, Andrew Embley. G'day, Tim. Thanks for having me on your show. It's an absolute pleasure. Uh, Last time I saw you, um, you were going uh, toe-to-toe, in the ring at the uh, the Perth Corporate Rumble in uh, 2017, uh, and uh, look, it looked like an, a, a fairly uncomfortable time for you.
2: Yes, I, um, <laughs> a very gallant second place I uh, got in that particular fight. It was uh, something a little bit different, but I've always uh, liked the challenge, and I was doing a little bit of fitness work at uh, a place called Anarchy Fitness in uh, leaderville and yep. Before you know it, they say, oh, listen, we've got a fight night coming up. Would you like to be part of it? So you almost felt you, obliged. You said yes and <laughs> moments yeah, of regret between right. then and the big
1: day, I imagine. I,
2: um, I enjoy the training part of it, uh, hopping in, in a ring and, and squaring off with someone who's certainly not my cup of tea, but yeah. certainly getting fit and feeling really good about myself and
1: I, um, you know, I enjoyed the whole process. Yeah, I suppose being in a team game environment uh, for so long, um, I, I, look, I'm... I, I was there that night. I had to uh, to to MC the night. I'm not much of a boxing nut, so it was my first time really. I'd been uh, ringside at something like that, and you know when you've got a crowd of thousands of people around you, you realise if you're the person in the ring, it must be actually quite a lonely experience. And but so intense.
2: Yeah, absolutely, it was. And I remember um, West Coast actually played a game that particular night, so I was the last fight of the night because I mm. had to go and call the. Yeah, free. that's right. And then I just had to rush. It was and, almost
1: uh, sort of. 11, 12 it was, o'clock, it was about, it, that Yeah, 11.30 yeah.
2: at night, so it was yeah. quite late, and I'd... Um Prepared myself well for it, but you know, before you know it, you're right. You're in the, you know, yeah. under the lights, and there's it's, nowhere it, to hide. Odd. Well, that's <laughs> at it. least on a football field. If you're having a bad game, you can, you know, get yeah. your teammates to cover for you. But when yeah. you're in a ring with a uh,
1: bloke that's over 100 kilos, um, that wants yeah. to hit you pretty hard. He was, <laughs> he was a, a decent sized <laughs> unit the guy coming <laughs> at you, wasn't he? Um, but look, you, you went there, you know, with this um, obviously, you know, some some celebrity status to you, but uh, also with the nickname of a whack. Mm. Um, so there were some big things expected of you so tell us where the where the nickname whack came from was it just from
2: yeah, it was handing a, out a whack
1: on the footy field uh, pretty much so
2: yeah I um it was a nickname that was given to me by my mates when I was going through school and I used to sort of say that on the football field at times I'd go a little bit wacko and um, try to whack a few blows the game's actually changed a lot since yeah. uh <laughs> the uh the mid to late 90s but one of those names that was given to me before he knew it, everyone started calling it to uh, to me. Certainly, my schoolmates, and then yep. you get to the West Coast, and straight away they just
1: love it. So mm. yeah, it was uh, that. Was it it's a sort of name that's going to stick, isn't it? <laughs> um, I mentioned the uh, the two thousand and six uh, Norm Smith Medal. Mm. Um, do you know where that medal is now? Is it something that you still hold dear to you? I'm very proud.
2: Absolutely, memories? yeah. It's a, it's a as a player, you always want to play in big games and mm. to be able to play in a grand final and, and, uh, and then get awarded the Norm Smith medal was something that, um, yeah, I'm uh, very humble and yeah. very proud of. Um, the, the premiership medal is something that I, uh, probably hold a little bit more dearly yeah. or closer to me because yeah. you get to share that with all your mates. And I was able to get that medal and I framed it with my jumper that I wore on the particular day and uh, got it all, uh, Signed um, by the players and framed it and gave that to mum and dad. And the Norm Smith Medal, yeah. I just sort of just kept the home in a box. So yeah. I uh, I got a phone call actually from West Coast um, about sort of six months ago, asking if I with West Coast could basically take it to the new Opta Stadium and with uh, the few of the other West Coast Eagle players mm. that had won Norm Smith medals and, and basically displayed at the stadium. So yeah, that's where the medal is at the moment.
1: Yeah. Okay. And and two hundred and fifty games. Uh, for the West Coast Eagles, uh, when you were starting out, because you were, you know, pretty young, mm. sort of seventeen when you were—that's right. When you were drafted, did you see? Was two hundred and fifty sort of how many games you saw yourself play? Did you have a figure in mind?
2: No, not at all. I um, had a dream to play AFL football, and whilst I was one of the, the better players um, in my team growing up, you're never really quite sure how good. Mm. Um, you are and compared to uh, other players um, around the country that you're same, uh, same age as you. So to be able to get drafted was just an unbelievable experience. Um, mm. to, drafted to West Coast, a team that I barracked for as a kid and mm. to stay in WA was just uh, a dream come true really. So I, um, I was fortunate to be able to play uh, the first game in round one. It was round one, 1999.
1: A Western Derby, no less. A Western Derby, that's right. What are, you, what are your memories of that? Because, you know, always a big build up to a Western Derby anyway, but when it's your first game.
2: Yeah, it was You, oh, you it must was...
1: have been all over the place.
2: It was. I was. Um. I think the last game I played before that was uh, Trinity College versus Aquinas. Uh, <laughs>
1: also a big game. Yeah, it was a, it
2: was a massive game. That one it was. Uh. In fact, the winner of that particular game won the Elco Cup, and Trinity yeah. were lucky enough to to win that game. I actually played against Quinton Lynch and Daniel Kerr. They were both in year ten. Amazing. At the it it time was. A, at it was an amazing time, wasn't it, it? It was. It was fantastic. And then, um, I think on the the Thursday before the game, Mick Moldhouse, my coach in my first year, came to me and said are you ready to play AFL football? So I'd gone from playing basically school footy into the AFL almost overnight. And yeah, uh, yeah it was a blur. I spent most of the, the game on the bench, but just to be out there and uh, to experience uh, yeah that
1: feeling was amazing. Uh, tell us about uh, your family. I know you are something of a of a football family, the Embleys, but uh, I must say before, um, you know, doing a bit of digging around into your background in preparation for this interview, I had no idea that uh, both your mum and your dad have such a, uh, a varied sort of ethnic background. Yeah. I mean, if you were to do an episode of uh, the Who Do You Think You Are, it'd, it'd go for about three hours.
2: <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, Dad's uh, Dad's background. So he's Anglo Burmese. So yeah. he came over um, to Australia in the mid '60s. So he's so born in born in, uh, in, in Myanmar, yeah. yeah, Burma, yeah, and. Uh, and his mum is uh, just around the corner. Actually, she's about ninety-five years of age. She's in Vic Park, and funny, funny story. Actually, she came over here in the mid-sixties, and uh, she bought a uh, you know a um, eleven hundred square metre block uh, in a pretty good area. She paid about two thousand dollars for it, and uh, to this day, she's still filthy that the uh, agent ripped her off. So <laughs> I think she might be okay, but <laughs> so she came over here with um, yeah with. Uh,
1: uh, Dad's sisters, and hence your interest in property development. <laughs> that's <laughs> true. That's, right. right. that's not yeah. a bad investment, is it? Yeah, it's take a, good a one. little while, but
2: uh, God. So, um, but Dad <laughs> never, never knew anything about AFL football or football yep. in general, and he uh, played a bit of footy at school because basically that's what you did. And yep. uh, funny enough, he uh, played uh, with Peter Bazasto, the great Peter Bazasto. Wow. and I've run into um, Peter a few times actually, and he's actually commented on how good my dad was as a footballer. Yeah, yeah. And-
1: and your mum as well. She's from far and wide as well. Who all her, her? That's right. Her yeah. family. So loved.
2: mum uh, from Ballarat. So yep. she was one of eleven,
1: um, and. Um,
2: yeah, grew up, uh, in Victoria and they were a bit of a sporting, uh, yeah. sp- had sporting backgrounds as well. And mum's quite tall. The Burmese are quite small. So thank goodness yeah. I got more of
1: mum's <laughs> height because
2: if well, I had got dad's height, I might have, uh, never, uh, never made it into the AFL.
1: Yeah. Uh, how did they feel about you pursuing a career in, in footy? Cause I know they've they put you and your, and your, your brothers through, uh, Trinity, um, you know, and obviously mm. <laughs> that comes at a cost. Yeah. Uh, when you say, look, I want to pursue a, a career in sports, how did they react to that? Very supportive parents. I'm, uh, I'm very fortunate to be able
2: to have parents that just gave not just myself but my two brothers and my sister every opportunity just to to do our best and, and be uh, or do what we wanted to do. So Trinity was, uh, wasn't that cheap and yeah. um, does tell the story that uh, – when they were trying to, to get me to Trinity, they obviously decided that um, you know, they needed to save up some money. and, what Dad said, well, I'm prepared to give up the cigarettes because uh, that's going to you know, save a bit of money. So Dad gave up the darts and uh, he used the money him. to be able to get me to Trinity. So it was um, well
1: worth it. <laughs> yeah. it, was a, it was a healthy
2: exercise. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, uh, We're going to cut to a break. But after that, I want to talk about uh, some of the early uh, parts of your career. Um, because, you know, there, there was a moment, I think, where you were at something of a crossroads. So I'll get you <laughs> yes. to talk us through that. Andrew Embley is our special guest uh, in this edition of Inspiring Stories here on 882 6 br. Back with more in a moment. You're
0: listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra and O'Day, generations of excellence since 1888. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra and O'Day. Generations of excellence since 1888.
1: Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Uh, this episode, we're uh, featuring the uh, the inspiring story of Andrew Embley. Andrew, well, well, you've mentioned already your first game, which was Western Derby uh, 1999. You would have been what seventeen, 17? second youngest uh, debutant for the West Coast Eagles. Was
2: I? Yeah, yeah.
1: I'm I mean, quite sure. You it. you're about not even that, old but... enough to drink,
2: <laughs> no, nah, that that's point. right. It uh, did happen pretty quickly, I guess, when you're in playing school football, and then before, yeah. you know, you're into the AFL system. Yep. So I was, um, yeah, very fortunate to uh, to play AFL football at a young age.
1: So you would have been there for the very end of, of Ken Judge or when, yeah?
2: Yeah, so I had Mick Moulthouse was my first coach, and yep. then I had uh, Ken Judge Ken for two Judge years for two after years that. Two years after that, and, and then, then John Worsford in 2002.
1: Yeah. Your thoughts on their coaching Styles. Did anyone in particular uh, resonate most strongly with you?
2: Well, obviously, John. I'm, I'm, I'm asking yeah. very
1: diplomatically who your yeah. favourite coach was. No,
2: no. <laughs> well, Whoosh, I spent the majority of my career yeah. with, and um, had a wonderful. Um, um, you know, we got on really well, and yeah. uh, our relationship was was great. So, he um, taught me a lot. Uh, obviously, Mick Moldhouse in your first year. I, he was an amazing coach, Mick, but when you come into a system as a seventeen year old, yeah. you just probably um you know, I guess rubbing in the headlights kind of stuff. You just yeah. uh, in awe of the people around you. So I probably didn't uh get to appreciate how good uh, Mick house yeah. was and, and Ken Judge gave me a wonderful opportunity, which was great because yeah. we were going through a little bit of a transition and I was a young kid and he probably realized that uh some of the older guys may have not been around for the next premiership, so he was big on giving these young kids a chance to yep. play. So at times I probably wasn't in you know, great form, but he believed in me to be able to go out there and, mm. and play from week to week.
1: How, how tough was it as a, um, you know, a young adult when you, you finish school? A lot of your mates are going out, having big weekends. Yeah. You're trying to you know, develop into a professional athlete. How tough was it to, to say no to all of that? And yeah. and focus on your footy because it, it's it's such a big temptation at that age, isn't it?
2: And I probably should have said no a bit more often. I um, yeah. it, it was difficult because um, you know, I wasn't a, like a, a bad kid or anything like that. But here I was um, living, you know, a dream really, but also trying to balance playing AFL football, but also being an eighteen-year-old, nineteen-year-old, mm. and going out with my mates and doing you know all the things that eighteen, nineteen-year-olds do. So. I um I quickly uh, realized that you know I'm going to have to actually make some you know proper decisions here, or I'm just going to, um you know throw away a, a really big opportunity. So I'd uh, I was in the system for about four or five years, and I I'd probably came to the crossroads really. Yeah. And yep. I um. How I,
1: close were you to to going? That no, um. Yeah, I'm I was pretty. I was
2: pretty close to um. I, Basically leaving West Coast, and yeah. so I remember at the end of the two thousand and two season, I'd been in the system for a while, and um, John Worsfold, uh called us up, and I was driving into the club, and there'd be some talk that you know West Coast were going to either trade me or, or delist me, and so I remember sort of heading into the club that particular. Morning, thinking you know, I hope that this is not the last time that I go into to West Coast, and I, I sat down with John and, wishes one of the most honest people that you'll ever meet, and he looked me in the eyes and he basically just said to me, he said, um, the decision to stay at this football club is yours. He said, if you want to be part of this team going forward, you need to show your teammates a commitment. You need to show them that you want to be part of you know helping them mm. win a premiership um, in the near future, and. If you can give us that commitment, then I'm happy for you to stay. But if you can't, then we can part ways right now and we'll do your, do our best
1: to, to help you get a trade. Was that one of those bombshell moments for you?
2: Yeah, it was. That was that was the moment where I go, you know what? Like Everyone that gets drafted into the AFL has got an enormous amount of talent, but talent will only take you so far. And I was one of those kids that, yeah, I had some talent, but I need a lot of other attributes to make the most of the opportunity that I've been given. And I said to Woosh, I said, listen – I don't wanna be at part of any other club. You know, I wanna do my absolute best. I know I can give you more. And so I walked out of that meeting. I was actually um flying to London on the footy trip with all the boys like two mm. days later and I um I cancelled that footy trip. I got myself a personal trainer, um, by the name of Steve Smith, who uh had recommended to me and uh I started training through my whole um off season. Yeah. And that was the first time that I actually uh Knew what it took to become a you know an AFL yeah. footballer, and um, 2003 was a, a breakout year for me.
1: H- had you walked away, what would you have done? Did you have a plan B in mind at that point in time? Oh,
2: I still believe that I could play AFL footy, and I was yeah. really confident so you would have that considered another, going elsewhere. another club would yeah. have picked me up and because I knew that I hadn't given my all uh, mm. and I could give a lot more. So that's um i didn't never felt like my footy career was going to be over, and I still loved the game, but I just felt like I just had to um be yeah. a lot more committed to uh to my job
1: yeah um into the the two thousands now obviously mm. two thousand and five massive grand final you just finished on the wrong side yeah um what are you what are your memories of that uh, that you know that final siren against against sydney one uh, of the most
0: yeah, well, intense
1: well, grand finals
2: It ever. was tough, wasn't it? And yeah. uh, it sort of happened pretty quickly for us because in 2002, we made the finals, but we yep. got knocked out in the first week and three and four, same thing, just got knocked out in elimination final. So before you knew it, we were a young group and yep. we'd won a couple of games yep. um, in the finals and straight into a grand final. And just sort of, wow, mm. here we go. And here's our opportunity. So I, um, yeah, obviously it was, uh, the game's a blur and it was difficult to lose that particular game. I, mean, I still can't believe that Ash Champion didn't get a free kick in that marking contest. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it, uh, it, it made us realise that we weren't good enough and we needed to improve. And we needed to get better as a group and um, but just because you make a grand final one year doesn't give you a right. Well, no, because the you know quite often a,
1: a grand finalist one year has a terrible year the next, don't they?
2: Well, it can happen like it, that. It, absolutely, it, it, it yeah. does happen, doesn't it? Um, so we just uh, had to um, work harder, and mm. that's what we did. And um, you know, we had a, a wonderful group of players that you know we got a taste of it, and we were so close, mm. and we just wanted to make sure that we would do everything right to get ourselves back there the following year.
1: I've got to ask, you know, obviously, you know, uh, there's still a portion of footy fans um, who want to see that 2006 Mm. premiership scratched out for all of the off-field reasons, um, you know, that that, that are well documented that I won't go into. But, uh, you know, footy fans, Mm. if they barrack for another team, you know, you sort of take that as a bit of banter. But um, when you've got some of the games great, people like Kevin Bartlett who's still – yeah. still going about it now. Yep. How does that make you feel?
2: Um, yeah, I don't like look into it too much. Um, obviously it's, it's, you know, you do get a little bit disappointed because mm. I know how hard we worked. And um, often I would say, you know, for those people that doubted the group, then all you needed to do was come down to a training session, you know, on a Monday or a Tuesday, um, you know, season, just sort of saw the way the guys apply themselves, you know, led by Ben and, um Juddy and, and Curry and it was really inspiring because these mm. guys just trained so hard and worked so hard and um you know for us to to become a premiership team we knew that we needed to all. Um we couldn't rely on these three players and and some of the training sessions that we used to do um you know were really intense and through my whole fifteen year um career, no doubt those sort of two or three years, um, you know, we never trained harder. Mm. So that's um that's the reason why we were such a, a great team was our preparation and the mm. way we we set ourselves and um, and that's I guess when we look at the reason why we won a grand final um, you know it was the hard work that we did that mm. allowed us to do that
1: I, I imagine when you're in the in the club in any club like that at, at that level you're kind of living in a bit of a of a bubble through that time now that you've had a few years out of the game I know you still have some mm. pretty close connections to the club but uh, reflecting back now it's you know it's been over 10 years um the way that it was handled at the time and the, and the way that it's kind of come out in dribs and drabs uh, ever ever since could it have been handled better and <laughs> and, and was it as bad uh, uh, from your perspective back in 2006 and around you know around those years
2: it's a tough question um i believe and I'll honestly say this, that with the information that West Coast had at the time, I don't think they could have done much more with Mm. the information that they had. Yes, there's rumors. Yes, there's always, you know, innuendo about certain players and the club were fully aware of, you know, those rumors. And it wasn't like they were basically putting things um, under the rug or anything like that. And, You know, I know that uh, the coaching staff had, you know, a number of, you know, one-on-one conversations with certain players about certain rumours and, you know, these rumours were denied over a long, long period of time. So it wasn't until, uh, I think, late in 2006 where um, a few players from the club actually came to, you know, West Coast and and told them what was going on. And Mm -hmm. I think that's when West Coast truly Found out, oh wow, well, we've got a you know a bit of an issue You've on got a, here.
1: Got a, a genuine and we've problem. Got
2: there. Uh, we've got we've got obviously sort this, yeah. but at the same time we were preparing for a final series, so it wasn't really until after two thousand and six that um, that the club obviously um, yeah goes you know, we need to do a fair bit here mm. now.
1: And um, you know rumors can spread very quickly. Mm. Uh, when you were playing uh, opposition teams, you know there's always a bit of bit of chatter on the on the field. Were they giving it to you as well about that sort of stuff, or in the years after? Oh six? Um,
2: not not really, actually. No, no, no they didn't. Um, it, it's it's a funny one because um, there's always a lot of banter out in the footy field and that sort of stuff. But um, I don't remember sort of anyone ever you know getting into to me or even you know alongside Ben now and then a couple of sort of cheeky remarks would go. Yep. Maybe you know a few of the other players' ways and. But, you know, the, the remarks that have come back and it's always a bit of humour.
1: Before we go on to, to, to matters other than footy, mm. um, just want to ask you, you know, best player you played against, toughest players you played against, um, players you love to beat the most. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, really yeah. that you hated. <laughs> any, any one of, uh, of your opponents over the years stand out for you? Used to have some
2: really good battles with a couple of the guys from Fremantle in in Ryan Crowley and uh, and Stephen Dodd, didn't? um, And I
1: haven't even asked you about the demolition derby too. um, Yeah, like two thousand and one. You were (laughs) right in the middle of it then, weren't you? (laughs) (laughs)
2: Um, Yeah, they were always hard because they were such you know really good defensive players and um, played a role for the team. it Was always hard to get a kick on them and. I um you know I was a fortunate enough to play on guys like James Hurd was just uh, you know an outstanding player Glenn Archer in my early days would play on me and some of the uh, the tactics that he had learnt over a long period of time were <laughs> very arts. interesting yeah <laughs> I tell you what if we had behind the goal vision back then I reckon he might have got a few weeks for some of the things he did to me but <laughs> um yeah so I was um yeah fortunate enough to play on some of the the greats of the game and um you know. But that's what you want as a, as a young kid. You want to yep. challenge yourself against the absolute yep. best. And um, I do remember the day I was um, told to tag James Hurd. It was the day that he, um, if you can remember, kicked that goal and hugged that bloke in the crowd. Yeah, so yep. he, he had about thirty odd and kicked uh, two, and so I had the responsibility of you know shutting him down that day. So <laughs> didn't do a very good job.
1: <laughs> Taught me a good lesson that one. Yeah. So so they they're the standout players that you. Kind of look forward to, but we're kind of scared of playing. Yeah. This. Yeah. I mean, heard because, you know, like I tried
2: to, you know, he was sort of same size as me, same height, played in a similar position. So yep. as a kid, I, you know, looked up to him. So to be able mm. to sort of play on him um, from my own personal development and see how he, you know, worked the ground yeah. and how he got back was, was really um, insightful.
1: He'd be an interesting chat right about now, wouldn't he? See what's been going on in his <laughs> yeah, life. Would be. Um Andrew, we have to, to uh, take a break. After that, I want to ask you about uh, one of your, uh, your passions uh, off the field. And that is uh, getting into the kitchen.
2: Mm.
1: <laughs> Andrew Embley is our special guest on Inspiring Stories here on 882 6PR. Back with more in a sec.
0: You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra and O'Day. Generations of excellence since 1888. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra and O'Day. Generations of excellence since 1888.
1: Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Andrew Wembley is our special guest. Uh, Andrew, we've uh, we've spent a lot of time talking about footy. Mm. Uh, obviously, uh, you do have other things going on in your life, and you love to uh, get in the kitchen and and whip up some food. I do, yes. Yeah, yeah. so... Where, where's that passion come from?
2: Uh, well, I think it probably comes from my, uh, my nana, who's um, you know, just uh, as a kid, we'd go over to her house, and uh, we'd have these wonderful cook-ups of curries and, mm. um, and these traditional Burmese dishes of like, my hinga, Etc. And um, whilst I probably didn't appreciate the flavors back then, mm. as you get a bit older, you go, "Wow, you know how mm. fortunate I was to be able to eat such quality food." So when I got to West Coast, Woosh was really big on the guys doing things outside of footy. So whilst yep. it's full time, um, he'd like the guys on their day off because we got one day a week off to not sit on the couch and play PlayStation, etc. So yep. some guys would go do some part time study. Other guys would have a part time job. Um, yep. and I actually went into the witch's cauldron um which is just i think recently uh to sadly uh, up. shut down end yeah, of era. that's right, but uh, that was a one of the more um, established and well-known restaurants yeah. um, in Perth at the time. and You'd smell I, the garlic um,
1: from miles away.
2: Yeah, their uh, garlic prawns was their signature <laughs> dish, so I was able to um, just at least steal that recipe, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm very happy with. But So um, on my day off, I'd go in there and, uh, and just do some work experience and work Is with that chefs.
1: Right? And, you, like right in right the thick of it? in
2: the kitchen, yeah. yeah okay. So I, um, I enjoyed that, and uh, I think that's where my passion really started to yeah.
1: uh, to, to really get going from there. Um, so if I, you know, was lucky enough to score an invite to round to your place for dinner, what would you cook? What's your go to dinner? <laughs> if you didn't have a date after, I'd
2: definitely get you the uh, the garlic prawns because uh it's uh it's a very tasty. <laughs> no chance dish. of least date <laughs> afterwards, mate. So yeah.
1: Garlic prawns it is then. <laughs> yeah, I think garlic prawns. We'll just go with the sizzling garlic prawns, I think. Yeah. Um and you had your your cooking with embers yeah. um classes
2: for it. That's a bit. right, yeah. So I started up this uh was a little idea where I'd um I get people to come over and and I cook them up some uh, some food, and we just chat football and life, and say like little yep. private in-home dinners. Yep. So that was uh, that was really good. So I started doing that on my day off a little bit, but um, I started to uh, like it became really hectic. Like during the football season, like yeah. you're playing, you exhaust it, and like it doesn't sound like much, but the preparation that yep. actually goes into it is just mm. huge. You know, like I've mm. been. Planning, you know, weeks before and the day before, I'd be trying to rush around, and the whole day of my day off, I'd from seven a.m. in the morning, you know, you start cooking till you know midnight that following night. By the time people mm. leave, so in the end, uh, I had to sort of slow down a bit on that. But yeah, it was it was great, and you know, a lot of people sort of would come to it, and yeah, yeah they just love sort of, you know, I guess. That sort of that private dining experience, yeah, talking footy and um, absolutely food.
1: You would have met some um, some some fairly crazy Eagles fans. Yeah, during that time, I imagine. Yeah,
2: well, I started off almost um,
1: almost a bit too crazy. <laughs> I started off with uh, with club sponsors and
2: uh, and um, you know people that I sort of knew, and then yeah, a few <laughs> times I had some. Bunch of West Coast lunatics, right? <laughs> <laughs> that was fine. I loved drinking the MX sport, Exports. So it was quite a cheap night.
1: <laughs> um, you went into business too with uh, with one of your teammates, uh, Ruck Legend Dean Cox. Yes. Uh, how did that go?
2: Uh, I was going well. Was so, he a foodie yeah. as well? Well, by the size, I think he definitely was a foodie. <laughs> he, uh, we, we, um, yeah, we spent a lot of time together, and uh, we had a uh, some friends of ours that um, had a restaurant called Incontro in South Perth, and so they were they were big foodies as well. So we always spoke about at the right time um, having an opportunity to uh, to go into um, to food and to hospitality. So we did that, and uh, we had a restaurant in Claremont called Beluga there for about four mm. years. So. It was a, a great experience for us all. Uh so you, you're pretty hands on Yeah, so there. I actually um started uh, cooking a lot. So yeah. I'd be uh at the front, um whether I was on the, the um the deep fryer or uh I uh, started to make a bit of a mess on the deep fryer. How was, fry how the was the your batter, cooking style? So.
1: Were, you, were you kind of a, get a bit Gordon Ramsay in there? Or?
2: Well, because um, the actual kitchen at Beluga was an open kitchen, so we had to be very careful about the way we acted and <laughs> uh, uh, et cetera. So I was pretty uh, – I'd like to say I was, I was quite, um, quite calm and, and certainly not as uh, –
1: because um, it seems like a pretty intense environment at times you know when it gets busy
2: oh it can be yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah no yeah. Just, uh, it's a system and if you don't get the system right you can you can break down you pretty quickly yeah. so you need to be able to be quite calm and so um yeah listen it was great it was a great time what was coxie doing then uh he eating. was just eating um <laughs> yeah he'd normally sort of come in every sort of couple of weeks and just uh collect his check um and then he'd leave again so he come. Um, he was, uh, no, at times he would uh, he'd do the floor, and he was quite good. People would um, you know, yeah. obviously want to chat with him, and uh, yeah. he
1: mingled pretty well. You don't see two, uh, you know, tall units uh, buzzing around a restaurant very often, do you? you no, think it's uh, probably you... advantageous to be a bit a uh, bit smaller in the kitchen. Yeah, no, uh, you don't. And, um, You know, obviously uh, Coxie could move, but um, dancing between the tables sometimes <laughs> on a busy night would have been something to behold. Yeah, that's right.
2: But I think, um, you know, as you said, like. Western Australia's uh, got a lot of West Coast supporters, yeah. a lot of football supporters, and yeah. people just, uh, just, they used to, um, you know, Dean would be out there, and they walk in, you could sort of see how um happy they were to see Dean um becoming yeah. their waiter for the night. You're still in touch with with Coxie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I speak to Dean all the time, so. Just spoke to him a few days ago. Um, he was pretty stoked uh, after their win against uh, mm. West Coast in in Sydney recently. So he's changed. He's um, <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I couldn't uh, couldn't believe it ever go to the dark side after <laughs> that wonderful rivalry that we had against yeah. the Swans. But he's uh, he's enjoying it at the moment. The family's really settled in, and um, yeah, he's
1: enjoying the the change. Ever uh, any temptation for you to uh, to go down that road into coaching?
2: I'm doing some coaching at the moment at the Claremont Football Club under Darren Harris, and that's been uh, – really enjoyed my time um, at Claremont so far, so just working with young kids and, and trying to help them develop and improve. And, and last year at Claremont, we had uh, Bailey Banfield um, at Fremantle now and Zach Langdon, who's at GWS, and Matt Guelphie as well. So three guys that I uh, had a, a bit to do with, and it's just great to see them um, get an opportunity at the next level because mm. they're great kids and they're working really hard. And all three of them uh, have started um, the season really well um, yep. at their respective clubs. So you um, you sort of start to, to watch um, their the pro- their progression.
1: Mm. While all this is going on, your footy career uh, you know from start to finish. You've got uh, restaurant on the go, cooking with embers as well. Um, you've uh, you, you've got three kids uh, mm. as well. Yeah. I mean, enough to keep anyone busy just just having. <laughs> three of them alone but uh, uh how did you how did you juggle it all i suppose it's good when you know you said before great that you got to play your entire afl career in yes. your home home city yeah um you know having family around is always always a help when you got young kids how did you balance all of that was it was it tough
2: yeah it was difficult um i think uh one stage uh three kids under five is uh puts you under a fair bit of pressure but they're great kids and so we're able to Quite fortunate to have a lot of help here in WA as well with family, so um, we we're uh, at times able to um, to get that that help. But yeah, it's uh, um, it's important that obviously you know you are around. I remember one time I came home from a uh, game where I'd done my shoulder and I, I had it in a sling, but also had you know a three year old on the ground that uh, wanted to be picked up. So yeah, you just got to make it work. <laughs> Pretty grounding, aren't they? That's right.
1: Yeah, they when sure they are. they don't care what you've been doing, they just they want some attention. That's you're right. it.
2: That's it. Yeah. yeah, they want to get picked up. They get picked up.
1: Yeah, uh, I want to ask you what else uh, you're up to uh, as well outside of footy, because uh, it must be, uh, it must be, you know, it's such a profound lifestyle change when yeah, you decide to hang up the boots. Yeah,
2: I spent um, half my life at the West Coast Airport. Yeah. So that transition is a difficult one. Mm. You go from being a you know a so called expert in one field to a novice in the next. So yeah. I am um, working with a mate of mine at the moment, uh, who's got a uh, company called Best Buys. Yep. Um, so in the in the property game here, which has been a little bit difficult, but you know, we do feel like um, over the last sort of six to twelve months things are starting to turn around, which is uh, which is great. So Um, Yeah, really enjoying that. And
1: um, yeah, it uh, helps sort of create that balance as well from football and kids and everything Mm. else. All right. Well, uh, we need to head to a break, but I'll I'll get more on uh, your post-football life after a break. Andrew Embley is our special guest on Inspiring Stories on 882 6PR.
0: You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra and O'Day, generations of excellence since 1888. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra and O'Day, generations of excellence since 1888. Welcome back to
1: WA's Inspiring Stories. My name is Tim McMillan. My special guest in this episode is Andrew Embley. Uh, Andrew, just uh, reflecting on your your very last game, it was game 250 um, for West Coast. I think at That's the time right. you were about yes. the seventh person uh, to get there, so you're in pretty pretty elite company there. Pretty easy decision to uh, to finish. I know I know you had you know, your fair share of injury yeah. uh, time out um, over your career. Was it Was it a pretty easy decision to uh, to make that your final game?
2: Yeah, it was an easy decision. I um, I knew that uh, probably halfway through the year that it was going to be my final year and I just uh, enjoyed it for what it was. It was a game that I've absolutely loved and yeah. I knew that I was never going to play it again. So I just sort of – West Coast weren't going to probably play finals and, um, you know, I was um, no doubt coming towards yeah. the end and – I think uh, there's a time where you realise that the game catches up with you and I think uh, whilst you can still play a role for the team, you know that other players can probably play that role just as good as you, if yeah. not better. So yeah. once you make that decision, it's um, you know, a pretty easy one to, to move on and um, other young kids get a go and um, it's great to see the team playing really well at the moment.
1: Yeah, they certainly are. Um, the old hammies seem to go <laughs> fairly frequently uh, yes. for you. How are they holding up now? You often, you know, when you speak to uh, to... To, to athletes after their careers over, you know, five ten years later, they, they talk about all the yeah, you know the injuries. aches and yeah. groans of the of the bones. Uh, years on. How are you holding up now?
2: I'm actually pretty good, to be honest. Yeah. Here, I, um, I'm able to go through a few runs and play golf and play some tennis, and, and nothing's really held me back too much. So, yeah. I'm probably in the end glad I retired when I did because I've got other teammates that, you know, have probably struggled post football with a yeah. lot of their injuries. So, um, yeah, I'm fortunate that uh, whilst the game caught up with me pretty quickly, um, you know, post football, I've uh, been able to um, to keep the fitness up.
1: Yeah. So the hammies, you have, have, you, have you tested them out though with a, a short sprint for a ball, reaching down, trying to scoop it up and, you know, snapping a goal from the, the boundary line? The hammies
2: are over. okay. I, I'm not playing any football anymore and I'm certainly not, <laughs> uh, when i run in. I'm not getting into uh, any high intense efforts. So that's the reason why
1: they're probably feeling all right. It, I believe you did go back though and and, and play one game of amateurs. For, yeah. uh, for, for Trinity Aquinas, I did actually. Yeah. yeah. Well,
2: they say, that, they say you're only as good as your last game. In my last <laughs> game, I was playing for Trinity Aquinas versus uh, University in a final, and um, had about three kicked on with three kicked on me um, in the second quarter. I, uh, I ruptured my pectoral tendon, so I basically played with one arm. Yeah, I did it at the end of the first quarter. Played another quarter, and. Uh, this guy kicked a goal on he gave me a bit of lip. I whacked him with my other arm. He got another free kick in front of goal. So he got like the two goals straight away. And Quinton Lynch, who was uh, playing at uh, Aquinas and also coaching at the time, he gave me an absolute rocky in a half time for being undisciplined. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I said to him, mate, I'm really sorry, but my arm's <laughs> just buggered and I'm gone. So i uh, that was the last game of footy that Off I to played. The bar. Yeah, I uh, went and got surgery about two days later. And, Is that right? Uh, my mum was in a sling for a while but uh, yeah. that's it that's my footy career done and
1: dusted what about the kids do they uh enjoy a bit of a bit of a kick around in the backyard or down they the do
2: park? yeah they um they love having a kick with me they um they don't play Oz kick they actually played Auskick kick last year but this year they didn't uh weren't that really keen in, in getting involved so i think they eventually will uh, they're playing in a lot of sports at the moment so um but every time you know they get home from school, they want to go and have a kick in the park or mm.
1: or play a bit of basketball or so they 're certainly outdoor kids, mm. which is great you 've stayed very close uh, to the game mm. um, you do you know quite a bit of uh, calling and special commentary uh, on the weekends now you obviously enjoy that i do
2: yeah so i, um, I mean i love football it 's been a massive part of my life for so long, so to be able to do some special comments and um, obviously some coaching as well. Mm. So whilst it's not full-time, it's uh, it keeps me um, you know close to a game that uh, I've got a lot of time
1: for, so yeah. I really enjoy it. And working along some someone like Dennis Cometti. That's it's right, a, yeah. It's, a, it's been a pretty unbelievable apprenticeship to have. Amazing, there. really. So the last couple of years
2: I've been yeah very fortunate to – be uh, in the same um, commentary box as Dennis yeah. Cometti calling football, and it's just uh, you know he's an icon. He's you know one of the great voices that this country has ever had when it comes to AFL, VFL football. So he's uh, been great, and um, and just a really genuine and, and very humble guy. Are
1: you conscious when you're in there that uh, that you have to sort of keep your your commentary fairly <laughs> objective and yeah. and not I, just be a total one-eyed Eagles fan?
2: Early on, um, I must admit, uh, a little bit, absolutely, but. In the end, like whilst you want West Coast to always do well, you don't get emotionally involved in the game anymore and you just try to be as um, unbiased as you possibly can.
1: Yeah. What, what do you make of the, the game at the moment? It just seems to be changing from season to season, you know, the rules around it, the approach of the, uh, of the tribunals. It just It's hard to keep up with. It with, is. It? What, do you, what do you make of it at the moment? Is it going in the right direction?
2: I think it is. I I don't get caught up in all the all the talk and all the white noise about it. I think the game does evolve all the time, and obviously there's people there that um, will continue to make decisions in the best interests of the game. Um, because I've done a bit of coaching uh, at Claremont, you know, I'm always sort of looking. Okay, this is the wow. Well, this is how the game's getting played. You know, how do you actually make the most of it? You know, as, as a coach. Yeah. Um, so. I um I do enjoy the game. I, I watch a lot of football, you know, I understand at times it can be a little bit congested, but I do believe the games do open up and um I do like high scoring teams, teams yep. that can find the football and move it quickly and yep. um you know certainly watching some of the better teams in the competition at the moment and to see the way they move the footy and the pressure that they put on to be able to win the football back and then go direct and score I think is really exciting. Favorite players to watch these days? My favourite um, player in the competition, I uh, might be a bit biased, but is Nick Nadanui. Uh, yeah. um, there's probably a couple of players that don't need a whole lot of disposals to have an impact on the game. And he's mm. one, Sil Rioli from Hawthorne's the other. And you know he can have 12 or 13 touches and you walk away going, wow, he was the most influential person on the ground. So I just um, love the impact that he's having at the moment through the middle of the ground for the West Coast Eagles. He puts so much pressure on. Um, he's,
1: uh, he's an incredible player to watch. And the and the Eagles uh, in 2018, they're obviously looking pretty good They've at the you well, Surprised by how how well they're doing this year? Probably not as surprised as other
2: people. Um, I've uh, watched West Coast pretty closely over a long period of time now, and you got to remember, West Coast were a win away from playing against the Tigers in a preliminary final last year, and mm. maybe it was that game in the pre-season against Fremantle where they got absolutely smashed, and a lot of people thought Fremantle weren't going to be a uh, improver this year, and certainly weren't going to be much of a challenge, and if they're smashing West Coast, then what hope have West Coast got? So I think a lot of people wrote West Coast off, but... As you got to um realize you got to be very careful about judging teams in their preseason mm. and so for mine I was just going to wait and see and um they they've started the season really well their kids are standing up they've got good depth every basically player on that list has got improvement in yeah. them and Nick Nat made a massive difference too
1: oh huge mm. Andrew thanks very much for uh, coming in and sharing a story there's loads we could uh, get through but maybe we'll have to do a uh, do a part 2 sometime <laughs> uh, thank you very much thanks Tim thanks for having us You've been listening to Inspiring Stories here on 882 6PR. Everyone has a story to tell. This one is brought to you by Barra and O'Day. We look forward to you joining us again next time as we unearth
0: another WA inspiring story. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra and O'Day, generations of excellence since 1888.